of the Bible together, and today we come to our text in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So far the reading of God's word. You heard the story of two guys who were talking, and the first man says to his friend, I lost my job because of illness and fatigue. And the other guy goes, oh, really? That's awful. And the first guy says, yeah, my boss was sick and tired of me. (laughs) You know, a lot of people don't like their jobs. A lot of bosses don't like their employees. And a lot of employees don't like their bosses. You know, when I was in college down in Virginia in 1977, I still remember Johnny Paycheck put out that hit country single, Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Sold two million copies. Struck a nerve with a lot of people. What about you? Some people have a high job satisfaction level. Some people have a low job satisfaction level. What about you? What does the Bible say about how you should approach your work day in and day out? Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. You know, the Bible clearly teaches that God intends for his children to work and to find satisfaction and happiness in their work. Have you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? It says in chapter 5, Then I realized it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. And later on it says, to accept his lot and be happy in his work. This is a gift from God. Where does that come from? Well, if you know the beginning of the Bible, it's rooted all the way back in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, where the worker God... God is a worker in Genesis 1 as he's creating. And the worker God calls out to the pinnacle of his creation, man and woman, male and female, and he tells them to reflect his image as the worker God having dominion over the earth. Please, pay very close attention to me now. What you believe about God affects how you live your life. 
what you believe about God. If you're an atheist here today, we're glad you're here, but if you don't believe anything about God, you have so many unanswered questions in this world. But if you believe in God, what you believe about God affects how you live in this world. And we read in Genesis 1 that God is an architect. He is an omnipotent master builder over the universe that he creates. He is a construction worker. He is an architect. He's a a city planner. And it says in Isaiah 66, verse 1, God looks down on his creation. He says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the glory spirit of God, remember, it hovers over the chaos, over the death waters. And God's spirit comes and brings order and beauty and creation. He transforms this realm of chaos into an abundant life. And at the climax of the creation, the creator calls his people to come and work in the paradise that he has made for them. What you believe about God is very important. Do you believe what I just told you? This is true. And it means then that you are a glorious worker in a glorious world. Now the communists talk about the glorious worker, but they had no God, they had no sense. All they had was the sword with which to oppress people. But they did understand that man is made to work. And so, work is good. It it, it was given before the fall of mankind. And so God's children are to find satisfaction and happiness in their work. Take this job and, and love it. That's what God says to you today. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus in Asia Minor, where there were more than 60 million slaves at the time that he wrote. In that century, the entire economy, the workplace was managed in that way. Slavery was different from just the the kind that we know, the very cruel, cruel slavery of this world. Teachers were slaves and clerks and accountants and and shopkeepers. They were were often indentured servants. But but, uh, that was the way the economy worked at that time. And actually, in around Ephesus, slaves actually outnumbered the free men. And that's how people lived and worked, day in, day out, feeding their families, getting along. Today, we find slavery repugnant, and we should. And if you know your history, you know that it is the church of Jesus Christ that has caused the great reversal of that horrible, systemic, institutionalized evil in this world. Men like who? William Wilberforce, standing against all of England and turning the tide to end the slave trade in the British Empire. And the abolitionists in the United States were gripped by the biblical teaching of the equality of men and women and of all humankind. And we know in Galatians, Chapter 3, verse 28, it says, and this was the seed. You see, people say, why didn't the Bible condemn slavery outright? But you see, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the teaching of Christ, the letters of Paul, sowed the seeds for the reversal 
of this horrible systemic corruption in the world, and we read, for there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it was so radical that that truth sprang up. And now even today, the International Justice Mission is working to stop slavery around the world. But this text, this text, does it have anything to say to you tomorrow morning as you get up, go out the door and get in the car and go to work? Clearly, there's a lot for us to pay attention to in God's Word as we go into the workplace. How do you take this job and love it? Well, there's one overall principle, one real point. Point number two, take Jesus to work. Take Jesus to work. Now, back in 1993, the uh, uh, Foundation for Women established Take Our Daughters to Work Day. And I don't know if any of you ever participated in that, but you get up that morning and your kid gets out of school and take your daughter to work, and then uh, the men's group said, what about the boys? And so they added, take your sons and daughters and sons to work day. Well, you know, I don't know what benefit that has in the world, but I'll tell you this. It's okay to take your daughters to work one day a year, but the Bible says take Jesus to work every day. That's what he's teaching us here. Just listen as I just go back over this passage, letting the Scripture speak for itself, how many times in this short little passage it mentions Christ? It mentions the Lord. Listen to this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Now, if you're half awake, a third of the time, when I'm preaching, you know that one of the great dangers we all struggle with is compartmentalizing our lives. My Christian life is Sunday morning, and when I have devotions, and when I say my prayers. And then here's my job, and here's my family, and here's my sexuality, and here's my finances, and you see, and I've got all these compartments but today, he makes it very clear this kind of compartmentalization is not healthy at all. It's not right. You take Jesus to work with you. Remember, Christ is not a spoke on the wheel of your life. Jesus won't be relegated to a spoke on the wheel of your life. Jesus says, I am the hub of the wheel. I am the Lord of your whole life. So you take him to work with you every day. He said that in your marriage, right? Christ is to be the center of your marriage. We just saw that. Christ is to be the center of how you raise your children. And so it is in the marketplace. And when you take Jesus to work, according to our text today, it affects your mindset, it affects your movement, and it affects your motivation. I like that. I like the way Paul is directing 
not so much the behavior as much as he is concerned with the heart behind the action. And that's what our Lord does. It always comes back to, where's your heart? Now, when you change your mindset, I'm going to speak pretty strongly to you right now. What is your attitude to your boss? To the person who is telling you your assignment? Hmm? So many people, I, I read Newsday, you know, I read through and I see about all the, the conflict between employees and employers and, and the dances that they do all, all the times and the unions against the management and the management frustrated with the workers and, and the bosses. Uh, with the people see it adversarially. Adversarially. My boss wants me to do this much. I only want to do this much. My boss is trying to exploit me. I need to protect myself and look out for number one. I wish I had a better boss. Okay, right now, think about your boss, if you have a boss. Okay, think about it. Does that person remind you of the one who is full of grace and truth, the Lord Jesus Christ? You get that picture of your boss? Do they make you automatically think of Jesus? And some of you are shaking your heads, no. But Paul tells us in this text that one of the keys to finding job satisfaction, to living properly, to taking Jesus to work with you, is to relate to your boss as you relate to the Lord with humble submission and cooperation it's a mindset change. The mindset of the Christian is different from the mindset of the world. See, we say, if only I had a different boss or a better job or another job, I'd have more job satisfaction. Some of us need to change jobs. I understand that. Sometimes a career change or a job change is good, although I want to tell you something. Survey after survey shows that job satisfaction does not measurably increase with job changes. Sometimes you do change jobs and it works out fantastically. Other times you change jobs and it is a disaster. And for a lot of people, they change jobs because I just, I just have to be in a better, I think I'll be in a better situation. And it doesn't become a better situation. Why? Because their mindset hasn't changed. I hope it works out for you if you do, but for some of us, there needs to be a renewal, even repentance, of the mindset we have toward those in authority over us as we come to the job. I wish I had seen Jesus, not just after he started his ministry, but wouldn't it have been interesting to watch Jesus, the carpenter, in the, th in the years before, working under Joseph, his father, Jesus was sinless. I bet it would have been fascinating. You know, Josh McDowell wrote the great book, uh, More Than a Carpenter, and he, Jesus was certainly more than a carpenter. But boy, I would have liked to have known Jesus the carpenter, wouldn't you? As he helped build people's houses and as he did his work and his labor, I think that would have been fascinating. And how the dynamics between him and the boss, his dad, 
would have been really interesting. But listen, someone who is lazy, someone who is a complainer, someone who hates serving others, and someone who can't stand being told what to do, is likely to have low job satisfaction. This passage says, Christian, Christian, change your mindset. Do you believe this about God? God made you to work. God made me to work. God's love comes to me. It comes through me. And when I honor those who serve over me, who have authority over me, I am honoring and serving him. That's what the text says. So by taking Jesus to work, you have a different mindset than the world does just when you walk in the door. Now, it also changes, we call your movement, and by that I just mean how you actually move through your day, what you do. And there are, the, there are a bunch of things he mentions that ought to characterize your work. Cooperation, integrity, industry. Now, if you're going on a job interview, and some of you might be interviewing for jobs, looking for work, I can promise you this. This is your takeaway. This is putting big bucks in your pocket today. Pay attention. You go to a job interview, and you communicate to your potential employer, I will cooperate with anything you ask me to do. And I will do it even when you're not watching, because I want to be a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. And I will do it with energy, and I'll do it faithfully. And I'm going to, because, because I'm a hard worker. And I promise you that that employer will be listening. And he will take note when you communicate that. These are the virtues that Paul lays out for us right here. When you teach your children about work, you need to teach them that when they go to the job, into the job world, into the marketplace, that they need to live with cooperation, with integrity, with industry. You look at this uh, word, it says obey. And that's the word that means listening under them. You're listening to what your boss is asking you to do, and then you do it. Will you? If you've taken Jesus to work with you, you will. Will you do it when they ask you to do? And I mentioned integrity. Notice what he says. He says, he, he says don't just do eye service. Do you know what eye service is? Eye service is um, just doing it when their eye is on you, just when they're watching. And he's addressing those people who only work hard when the boss is around. But when the boss isn't around, what happens? They slack off. They're not willing to, to get the job done. I, I remember um, the riddle. You know the riddle? What's orange and sleeps seven? A Department of Transportation truck, right? You know, you see these, these big trucks on the side of the road, your tax dollars at work. Everybody's asleep in the cab. You know, I remember my first job. I worked for a survey crew, and um, I'm, a, I'm a junior in high school. And my job was, I was on a, a survey crew. We went out, and they, they, they used the surveyor, and they held the chains. And my job was to take a machete and cut through the woods so that they have a clear line, you know, and uh, so they could see. And, Hacking and hacking the beehives and the poison ivy, and it was a great summer. Well, but about three o'clock, 
About three o'clock, the crew chief, most days, a snap time, nap time. I was a brand new Christian, and I knew this wasn't right. Nap time was for after work, not during work. I would sort of get out and I'd clean the machetes and the tools and all of that. But, he, you know, I knew it wasn't right. Do you know it's not right to take a nap on the clock? That's eye service. Uh, there, there was a story in Reader's Digest I read that uh, a, a retired gentleman saw that they were building an addition to the uh, local mall, and he would go over, fill his day with watching this one crane operator, this large uh, front-end loader operator, and the guy was just diligent, doing his work uh, hard and faithfully, and after about three weeks, he says, I am so impressed with him, I've got to go tell him. And he goes up, he says, you know, I'm retired, I live down the road, but I've just been watching with amazement the precision and the skill and the efficiency with which you work. And the man turns to me and says, you mean you're not the supervisor? <laughs> you see, Paul is talking about working with eye service. It's the wrong way to be. And then the other side, he talks about kissing up. to the, He says, don't just do it to win their favor. You see, the Bible is psychologically so accurate. It knows the wickedness of our hearts. It knows our in, incipient laziness, and it knows our our, our willingness to kiss up in order to get ahead. And he says, no, no, that's not why you do it. You do it to honor the Lord. Honor the Lord there as you take Jesus to work. You studying the book of Colossians, some of the small groups, you're going to get to chapter 3, verse 22, which says, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. It's a beautiful verse. And then industry. If there's integrity, and then industry, that just means, he says, he uses the word wholeheartedly, work wholeheartedly. And that just means you're going to be a hard worker. Enthusiasm, eagerness that doesn't require the whip. You shouldn't require the whip to work hard because you'll work with enthusiasm. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that commands us to be workaholics. Some of us have that tendency. That's a dangerous tendency. But Paul's not addressing that problem here. The majority of people in the world are not workaholics. The majority of the people of us need the Holy Spirit to infuse himself into our workaday world so that we honor the Lord with industry and integrity in our, in our, in our effort for him. And then he changes our motivation. And this... I just save for this part right here. He says, work with sincerity of heart as you would obey Christ. And in the bulletin, you're taking this home with you, it is possible for the housewife to cook a meal as if Jesus Christ were going to eat it. To spring clean the house as if Jesus Christ were to be the honored guest. It is possible for teachers to educate children, for doctors to treat patients and nurses to care for them, for lawyers to help clients, shop assistants to serve customers, accountants to audit books, and secretaries to type letters as if in each case they were serving Jesus Christ. And then we are told, did you catch this at the end of the passage, that on the judgment day, on the judgment day, God will actually reward the good work that you do. 
Whoa. Isn't that interesting? You mean the reports that you write, the progress reports you write for your boss, are going to be judged? The time clock is going to be reviewed on the judgment day about work. How effective and efficient you were in the tasks he gave you is actually going to be a part of the calculations on the judgment day? Apparently so. And the good that you did, the good work that you did, he says here, will merit rewards from God. Now, don't get me wrong. Our salvation is in Christ. You know the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus saves. You're not saved by your performance. No man, no woman here. I hope nobody here thinks that they can enter into the presence of a holy God on the basis of their performance. That would be a soul-destroying mistake. But the Bible teaches that we will all have a time of assessment before God. And some of you are going to be in row three... And some of us are going to be in row 10,003. We'll still be in heaven. But you see, there are going to be crowns that he gives out. There's going to be, and, and that good work. Look, when you get out of bed and you say, oh, oh, it's hard for me to get there. And you get on the train and you say, oh. But then you, by the time you get there, you say, Jesus, we're going into this day together, you and I, and we're going to, we're going to take this day. And you do your work to the best of your ability in order, because Jesus is there and you're honoring him on the judgment day, God will say to you, well done. He will. He said, you honored me with that crabby boss. You honored me when you were underpaid. You honored me when you were falsely accused. You honored me when you stayed late and didn't get paid for it. You honored me when you showed up early, when you went over and above the call of duty. You honored me. Thank you, God will say to us. You're not just working for a paycheck. See, Johnny Paycheck got it wrong. He was just living to pay the bills. Now, Everyone needs money. We all need money. But we all need air. If you're just living for air, are you really living? You're not living if you're just living for air. And if you're just living for money, are you spiritually living? You're not. Live for Jesus Christ. Take Jesus to work. If you're the boss, learn the managerial golden rule in verse 9. If you want respect, show respect. If you want sincerity among your clients and your employees, be sincere. If you want pleasantness, be pleasant. This is enlightened management theory. They pay $50,000 at uh, Columbia University to learn these things in an MBA program. This is better than any MBA management program. This is how you treat people. You know... I'll finish with this. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and he is a worker. He worked as a carpenter for many years, didn't he? And as his ministry drew to a close, we read in the Gospel of John on that last night, as Jesus was there with his disciples, he prayed to the Father, and he said, Father, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. I love that verse. I love that verse. I have finished the work you gave me to do. And yes, it will be to go and to die. 
to obey, and, and that is the work of Christ for you. Has He washed you? Has He worked for you? Yes, He has. And if He worked for you, now you take Him to work with you every day of your life. We come to the Lord's table now, and some of us really need it, don't we? We need communion <laughs> right now as we think about the work world. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and, and join me in prayer. I invite the elders to come forward. Our Father, we thank you that now uh, we can come to you and receive spiritual nourishment. And we need this, Lord. We need nurture and nourishment. Our Father, we know that uh, some of us, you have uh, pricked our consciences. Forgive us for the eye service. Forgive us just trying to win the favor of the boss. Forgive us when we are harsh with those who work under us. Cleanse us as we awaken tomorrow and for the rest of our life. Will you now empower us to take Jesus to work with us, we pray in his name. Amen. Gil, if you could help us distribute the Lord's Supper. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he 